are talking about uh, being rewired and renewed today, okay? Rewired and renewed. This has been the focus of our study as we're going along and also uh, doing some small group studies. And some of you are going to be kind of picking them up in the next week or two. And uh, I think most of these, like even our messages will be online, but we have tons of resources and the book that we're using. And this is kind of going along with that. Uh, as we're as we're going through this study, so some of this I'm going to bring out that's in uh, the other study. Some of it maybe not, but uh, hopefully we get the message because this is what God wants to do in our life. This whole series is about growing as a Christian and living and walking the walk. Um, the technical term is sanctification. And we're going to read in Romans chapter 12, as you can see there. So I hope you'll find that. Now, I'm going to put these verses, a lot of them, up there. And, uh, but I want you to have it open, you know. So power up your app. Uh, get your Bible open. Mark some verses. You probably already have. Somebody that doesn't go to church here said to me, said, man, I can always kind of tell usually what you're preaching on. Because on Sundays, a lot of people that I know that are friends with me on version go to church there. And I'll see verses that they're highlighting. I'm like, yeah, that's probably, well, and that's cool. I love that. That's great. If you haven't already got them highlighted, but you can re-highlight them and it'll still show up. But anyway, uh, Romans chapter 12. Are you ready? He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that uh, he says that you do this. And, and notice that it's, it's an appeal. This is urgent. By the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. In verse 2 he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Pray again with me. Father, help us to take this inside of us and to understand it and to apply it and use it to change our lives. Help us to understand what you're wanting to do in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, in every part of us. In Jesus' name, amen. As we've been saying, there's a war going on for our souls. Talking about our soul, we're talking about that eternal part of us. It's the real you, the real you on the inside. It involves your mind, your will, and your emotions. Uh, sometimes we refer to this as our heart and we kind of exchange a lot of these terms and, 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 and change them around, but we sometimes talk, call it, you know, our heart. Uh, it's the unseen part of us where we process information, where we make decisions, where we feel things deeply. That's the part we're talking about. Now, remember, in our study, here's our focus. And I like to have this a few uh, weeks in a row because we're so distracted by so many things in our world. There's so many things coming at us that this is the only way that we really get things down. And sometimes, as you're going to see, they have to be repeated. But remember this. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. That's a true uh, a statement. And it's part of our study that we're doing in smaller groups and things. Uh, so this is a focus that we keep coming back to, to understand that this is true. Bible even tells us this. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What we think shapes who we are. And that's why thousands of years ago, Solomon said in Proverbs 23, Seven, as a man or a person thinks in their heart, so is he. That whole context of that is they may be saying this or whatever, or doing that, but as they think in their heart, that's who they really are. And so the Bible already told us that long before uh, science or anything figured that out. The Bible already said it. 
So the life that we have is a reflection. What's going on now It's a reflection of what and how we think. How we behave and everything we're doing is a reflection of that. So in changing our lives, we all need our lives changed. Here's what God does. He has to change our minds and renew our minds. So in changing our here's a couple of, of words I'm going to throw at you. I've done this every week and you probably don't. You probably, you probably know this, but I'm just going to do it for safe, just to be safe. That in changing our mind, that, that, whole, that whole thing of a mind being changed, change of direction, that's, that's what's involved with the technical word we throw around called repentance. Repentance. There's a change happen. There's a turning. And renewing our mind, that's sanctification, where he sets us apart and makes us different. So when God gets ready to change your life, one of the things that we know that he's going to do is he's going to change our minds. And that's what that verse was talking about. Transform us by the renewing of our minds. So, as we said, what you believe determines how you behave. Okay, good. I'll go faster if I know you're in there. Because sometimes I feel like i got to you know, run back through it. It's just, it's just the way I am. you got to deal with it. So, that whole process... It's what repentance is all about. It's not just that I feel sorry for what I've done and I just confess it before God, but I confess it before God, ask for forgiveness, and it also involves a turning, a changing of my mind. See, that's what this is getting to the heart of here. So here's what we know. God wants to transform you. That's what this verse is talking about, our transformation. How? How does God transform you? Well, it's right there in that verse we read. He does it. Uh, that you can't really do it all by yourself, but how he does it is by the renewing of your mind. That's how he transforms you. He transforms you how? By the renewing of your mind. That's what that verse says. But the thing about it is, is you can't do it without his power and his presence. This is not a self-help thing. I can only help myself so much. I find that I cut myself a whole lot of slack. Sometimes a lot more than I'm willing to cut other people. You can't do it without his power and presence, but it also involves your participation. You will be involved in this. God's not going to force this in your life, even though you've come to him for salvation. And so this is the thing that we're going to talk about. Now, so this being true, and this is what God wants to do. Now, please understand, you can be saved in a moment. When you ask Christ into your heart and you trust him for your salvation, you acknowledge you're a sinner, you repent of your sin and you trust him, you can be saved in a moment. You can be saved, know your name's written in heaven and, and, and understand all that. Uh, but becoming who he wants me to be in Christ is a lifelong process. Salvation is just the beginning of what he wants to do in my life. Because you know what? He's got more in mind for you and me than just getting us out of earth and into heaven. He wants to get heaven out of heaven and into us. See, it's, not, it's more than just you and me leaving earth to go be with God. God wants to come live in our hearts. He's already come down and died on the cross for our sins. This is a lifelong process. So this is why I think, well, if this is what God wants to do, why do I still, I've been a Christian, I've been saved most of my life. So why is it that I still make so many irrational and selfish decisions? 
Why is it that I struggle in so many ways that I do? I can identify with Paul. Remember in Romans chapter 7 when he said, what I want to do, I don't end up doing. And what I really detest, I end, you know, that's what happens. I can identify with that. But as we go into chapter 8, we know where he finds the victory. It's in Christ. There's no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus. When here, he's going into a process of how all this works, all right? So this is the process that he's taking us through. So uh, we'll go back up to verse one. He says that we, he beseeches, I appeal to you uh, that you, by the mercies of God, and it's only because of the mercy of God that we can do this because we can't earn it, we can't deserve it. It's only because he's been merciful to us that we even have this opportunity. So glory to God, right? Thank you, Lord. That we, he, say, he says, that we present your, your bodies as a living sacrifice. So how would you yield or present or give your body, your physical life as a living sacrifice? How would I do that? Well, are you ready? It's very simple. The body is instructed and controlled by the mind. And he's going to tell us the mind is renewed and empowered by God. So God still gets the glory for it. But I'm allowing this to happen in my life as he's renewing my mind and my mind's in charge of my body. My body is yielded to God as a living sacrifice. All right, that's good. Let's go home. That's it. No, let's explain it. <laughs> uh, so this involves a... Dis Wayne got all excited there. I've never seen him so excited during church. Uh, but this involves a decision of your mind. This involves something happening inside of us. He's given you a will. He's given as part of us being made in his image. And he gives you the ability to make that choice, to make that decision, or to resist and not make that decision. But it involves a decision of our mind to be conformed to his image. He says here we're to be more than this even. We're to be transformed. We're not to be conformed to this age. We're to be conformed to the image of Christ. We're not to be conformed to this pattern of this world. We're to be transformed. Now, to be conformed, not to be conformed to this age or this world, that word comes from a word that literally means to be uh, patterned like something. To be transformed is a different word. So we might be patterned like the world. We're kind of fashioned like the world. Like, you know, we're, we're influenced by everything around us. But the transformation isn't just that we need a different pattern, which we do. We need a different pattern, but it's more than that. It's a transformation. It's a metamorphosis. In fact, the word translated transform is the Greek word that we get our English word metamorphosis from. So you think about the caterpillar in the cocoon becoming the butterfly. That's the kind of radical change that God wants to do from the inside out on us by the power of God into somebody different than I've ever could have been on my own before. So how does this happen? Well, he tells us it happens by the renewing of our minds and it involves discerning. Testing, proving, that is, that means you put it into practice. That's what discerning, proving, testing means. You actually put this into practice. It becomes part of what you do. See, I just want God to just write it in the sky somewhere. He wants our minds to be changed and our lives to be changed daily. It just happened on Sunday. But daily by his truth, empowered by his spirit, and then put into practice in my life. I'm changed my mind by his truth, empowered by his spirit, 
and put into practice in my life. Now, let's go back to verse 1. I'm going to put that back up there so you can see it, uh, where he says, I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. God says, I'm not going to turn it down. It will be. I will accept it. He says, it is actually your spiritual worship. Now, you hear translation. It's hard to translate. Sometimes it's hard to take words from another language that especially uses a figure of speech and find the exact English word that we're using right now to describe it. And that's why you have some differences there. Some translations say your reasonable service. Some say spiritual worship uh, or something like that. Uh, so the word translated worship right there is actually a word that does mean service, but it's borrowed from the Old Testament. Notice this whole thing is an Old Testament imagery. Because in the Old Testament, what did they do? They offered sacrifices on an altar, blood sacrifices. And it was all symbolic of the fact that the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, was going to come and die for our sins, right? So even though there are many in the church in Rome who were of Jewish background, they grew up learning this. And then the ones who were, uh, you know, that were Gentiles that had gotten saved, they, they had learned this because all of the Bible that, that they had at that time was the Old Testament. So they, as their disciple, they begin to learn this. And they know this, that in the Old Testament, that's what happened. So now he throws a new twist on it. Said, you know, kind of using that as an, as an illustration, you now are presenting yourself. Not something else. You're presenting your physical body as a sacrifice on the altar. But it's not a dead sacrifice. It's a sacrifice that keeps living. Because normally, when you sacrifice something on the altar, it died, right? So this is what it means. Now, in the technical sense, that word translated worship or service, uh, it means that. Uh, service. If you serve, it means you carry out, in our language, it, you carry out certain duties or provide certain things. Certain goods. Like in the Old Testament, the priest and the Levites performed the duties of worship in the tabernacle. It involved things that they had to do, right? They were serving. It's called service. Are you with me? Got to get a little technical. You got to get a little background here. Now, however, you're ready for this. Are y'all ready for this? Y'all ready for this? Now, because of Christ, all the work has been done. <laughs> we don't have to sacrifice anything because Jesus Christ sacrificed himself. We don't have to go through all the, the sprinkling of blood on various objects because Christ's blood was shed from the cross. We don't have to go through all those ceremonial washings and things that they did because we've been washed by the blood and, and we have been baptized in his name. See, so it's different now. But Paul's using this illustration of an, old sac of an Old Testament sacrifice on the altar. But instead of dying on the altar, he's saying it lives there as a constant giving to God. It's a totally different kind of worship than what they knew in the Old Testament. And he says it is your reasonable or spiritual service or worship. So that's why it's translated worship because he's talking about this serving God. This is how you're worshiping him because the service that they did was their worship. But ours is different as we're giving ourselves. Stay with me now. He's urging us on because the mercies of God make this possible for us to be holy and acceptable to him. He says are reasonable or spiritual. Actually, you want to know what the word is? The word translated there is logikos. We actually get the English word logical from that. Now, some translate it spiritual because it means it comes from the inside. It's not just what, like the Old Testament priests were doing on the outward form and the outward by, by ritual or by rote or whatever. This is coming from inside you. 
That's why it's, it's reasonable, it's logical, it's, it's coming from inside, it's spiritual. It involves your mind. That's what we're getting at. Vine expands on this definition in his Greek dictionary this way. He says the, the sacrifice is to be intelligent in contrast to those offered by ritual and compulsion. The presentation is to be in accordance with the spiritual intelligence of those who are new creatures in Christ and are mindful of the mercies of God, end quote. So you see when he's saying spiritual worship, reasonable service, he's talking about something that comes from deep down inside of us. It's not just something we do on the outside. And it involves our mind. It involves our heart and soul. And it involves how we worship and serve God. And it's different than what they had to do. How do we, we give ourselves. So don't get this idea that, well, I serve God in my heart and my mind, but you know, in my body, I just constantly do things that I know are wrong. He says your heart, soul, mind, body, all of it belong to God. Even, so how am I going to, but, but the physical part of my life is what I struggle with, but it's only because my mind's not renewed. That's why he goes right on into don't be conformed to this world, be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Now that's the process. So as my mind is renewed, I'm going to think differently. And as I think differently, I'm going to behave differently. And I'm going to have a life of service and worship to God that comes from deep down as myself is given to him as like a sacrifice that keeps living for him. It's beautiful. Beautiful. There's a problem, though. I got a problem. You got a problem? I have to admit I have a problem. The problem is, is... I'm still in the flesh. Flesh has been cursed by sin, and I'm still living in a world that has been cursed by sin. You realize that a whole world has been cursed by sin. Before sin came, everything operated perfectly. Now things don't, you know, and we have these horrible storms and earthquakes, and we have disease, and we have death, and we have all this. That came as a result of sin, of our sin, curse of sin. And my flesh was cursed. My, my, my self deep down inside has that stamp on it. Uh, I'm naturally patterned after the world. I just naturally, so are you. That's our fleshly nature. Remember, we studied about it several weeks ago. Paul talked about it in Romans 8. I need more than just a different pattern. I need a metamorphosis inside and out. That's what I need. See, part of the problem is, is while we're in this body of flesh, you know what has to happen? Come on, please stay with me. This gets a little technical. My mind that we're talking about, having a renewed mind, my mind has to work through my brain. And my brain is an organ in my fleshly body. Right? Some of us have got more to work with than others. Maybe. <laughs> Thank you, Wayne. And now science is finally learning more and more about how the brain, the gray matter, actually works. As we think on certain things and as we develop various skills and experience, it creates neural pathways in the brain. And the more we use them, the stronger they get. The less we use them, the weaker they get. I've given illustrations before about swinging a golf club or playing basketball or doing something like that. You know, you kind of think you remember, but you find out the pathways have weakened. Can't quite do what you did. You kind of know what to do. But, uh, but, you know, there are some things that we've done enough that you don't even have to think about doing it, right? You don't even have to think about it, like brushing your teeth. Hopefully, 
That's something, you know, you, don't even, you can be thinking about totally other things while you brush your teeth. And pretty much, you know, you get the fronts. Hey, get your gums a little bit too. You get the fronts, you get the, you know, the tops in, in the back. Don't forget to get back there, okay? And, and, and while you're at it, brush that tongue. That's a good thing to do too. Just, just try not to gag, all right? Anyway, what I'm saying is, is you can be totally thinking about something else and brush your teeth, right? Am I right? Try doing it with the other hand. It's a whole different thing. See, that just shows a little bit about how this happens in our life. But see, the thing is, is that I'm already patterned after the world because I was born a sinner with a sinful nature. Even though I'm saved, I'm still in this sinful flesh and I struggle with it. This flesh lusts against the spirit. Paul talks about that in Galatians 5 and in Romans chapter 7, he talks about that struggle. And I think many of us have experienced that struggle. I admire people, you know, that would say that they got saved and were immediately in sinless perfection. That hadn't happened for me. I suspect it may not have happened for them either. My wires are already crossed, folks. I already, from the youngest age, which, by the way, last Sunday evening, uh, we we didn't have anything going on here, and uh, my home phone rang, and, uh, you know, it it was during the basketball game. You know, and... A Razorback basketball game. And I, 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 we don't really pay attention to the home phone, which we still have that much, but you can leave a message there. And except for last week, Daryl, I, I didn't get back to you. But anyway, a lot, you, we do check it occasionally. But I, I looked, Daryl left a message on the home phone. Sorry. Um, but uh, I distracted myself again and I didn't call him back. So I'm just confessing that in front of everyone. But anyway, uh, but I, I looked at the caller ID and I saw it was an Arkansas area code, central Arkansas. Who from Arkansas would be calling during a Razorback game? And so then I listened to the message and it was a lady saying, you know, I come up here by your church and you're not here. And I want to find where is that boy when he was four years old, got so mad he ran his arm plumb through a storm door and cut his wrist open. And I'm like, okay, that's somebody that knows me. That actually happened. I've got this scar. And it, it, happened, to be, it happened to be some good friends from back home. They visited here before and they happened to be driving through. And they, they came by and spent some time with us. It was great. But I still have this scar. When I get a new doctor and they examine me, they say, is this something we need to talk about right here? But it's because I was mad because I started off with my wires crossed. I was selfish and I wanted to just rule the world and my family. I've noticed my grandkids have got some of that too, even as precious as they are. Wires are already pre-crossed. And uh, these pathways, I tend towards selfishness and sin in my brain. And it takes time and effort to rewire. And, And you've been thinking certain ways. You've been focused on certain things and participating in certain activities all your life. So guess what? Even though you're saved, it might take a while for your mind to become renewed. This is why when we try new things, a lot of times at first it seems really awkward, uh, but then after a while it can actually become automatic. You don't even have to, just like brushing your teeth, you don't even have to think about it. You should think about flossing though. You should think about that. But anyway, brushing the teeth, it becomes automatic. Um, And by the way, this is also, as we study in this, how we become biased and stuck in certain belief systems. 
is how this happens. Um, you think a particular way, and, you're, and, and you get these strong connections in your brain and those things, and then what happens is, is your mind automatically filters all information through that mindset. That's why they say that you genuinely uh, get what you look for or you get what you expect, because here's why. Your brain is trained to look for evidence that supports what you think and filter out evidence that doesn't. Now, in our study, he talks about that a little more, and it's called cognitive bias. And we all have it. We all have to deal with it. And there's that part of us that wants to resist truth when it comes. Um, that's why we need to, to, to go through it and be fair and analyze things and uh, let God speak to us. Another problem that we have is this, is that many things that are ultimately very, very bad for us, feel very good initially. Am I? Okay, let me explain. Everybody's looking at me blankly. There's a reason for that. There's a chemical response that happens in our brain that produces what's called dopamine. Now, dopamine is a hormone and a type of neurotransmitter. And your body makes it and your nervous system uses it to send messages between nerve cells. It's also known as the feel-good hormone. Okay? It makes, when this is involved, it makes very, very strong neural pathways. Now, this is, this is, this is what science has figured out. And they can actually examine this. Uh, here's how it happens. You do something you really know is not good for you. Guys, you look at porn. You know it's wrong, it's harmful, and it's degrading to women on every level. But your brain gets that little shot of dopamine. Dang, I feel bad about that. But then the next time you're kind of bored and feeling kind of down, the brain says, hey, why don't you go check out that website? Hey. Dopamine creates a strong connection. That's why you've got to be intentional about counteracting it okay i mean it can happen a lot of that drugs trigger dopamine alcohol it triggers that and so you know in our mind we're kind of feeling bad well hey your brain says let's do that and you get that shot of it and it's not there can be some good things also that trigger that okay it's not all just bad things but there can be dangerous things or like like even shopping I'm getting some tough looks now. Even shopping. You, you buy something new. Well, sometimes that's good, but sometimes we can be like, I'm feeling kind of depressed. I know what to do. The brain says, go buy something. You'll be excited. You'll get a little dopamine. Or you order something. It's going to come in to be delivered. Yeah. Whoopee. You know what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is, is or, or how about this one? Danger. This doesn't work for me like it used to, but sometimes danger, doing things that are dangerous, it can get you, you know, and, 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 you know, we have that, we become an adrenaline junkie, you know, but that's part of it. So there's times that, that uh, as these strong neural pathways are developed, it results in us being focused and obsessed with certain things. There are things that can take you down a path of destruction or pain or death, yet the brain wants its shot to feel good. Are you seeing how this works? This isn't just Bible. This is, this is true. And understanding how the brain works. That's another reason why you can't always go with your feelings. If you do that, you will believe in and become controlled by lies. Because some of the things that you feel like you want 
can be very destructive. That's why, let's go back to this verse. We looked at it last week, Jeremiah 17, 9. Don't just follow your heart. Don't just follow your heart because your heart has been influenced by sinful nature. You know, the heart wants what the heart wants. Well, the heart wants some bad things too. You know it? He said, Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who really knows what's going on? All right, so there's a problem. Let's, let's wrap it up with the practice. What are we going to do about this? Do not be conformed. Do be transformed. Now, please understand. Don't be conformed. This is in the middle voice. Don't let this continue to be happening. It is happening, but don't let it keep being happened. You're going to be patterned as the world. And listen, think about how much we're influenced by everything around us, by our culture. We're being far more influenced by our culture. And they're believing a lot of things and doing a lot of things that just aren't true and just won't work. Just won't. But if, if we're not careful, we're being influenced by that so much more than we're being influenced by the word of God and the truth of God. Our children are being influenced more by the world around them than they are the God who made this world and what he says. So the problem is that even though we desperately want things to change in our lives, amen? Get back in here with me. Sometimes it seems like we'll pray about it. We try to make a decision and they only change for a little while. And then we, it's like we get right back in the rut. Remember what the old preacher said, don't you? A rut is nothing but a grave with the ends knocked out. Not a place you want to be. But you know how ruts work. Uh, our study talks about that. You just go over the same path time and time again, eventually, especially whether like we had with the freeze and the thaw, it makes a deep rut. And sometimes you get it right in there. I remember going and feeding, feeding some of the dry cows and stuff. We just get in that rut. You didn't even have, I was a young guy. We said, look, no hands. I mean, you, you, you know, they get so deep, you get in the rut, you can't get out of the rut and it'll just steer itself. That's what happens to us. And we get right back in that. So how can I, how can my resolve produce a renovation? How can my will, my resolve, produce a renovation in my life? How come the things that I want to do haven't become permanent yet? All right. Glad you asked. It's all part of renewing the mind. The reason is they've not become part of the daily practice. So I need to hear the truth. Remember, we've already talked about the lies that we can believe in replacing the lies with the truth. You've got to identify the lies, and we're never going to be able to identify them except with the light from God's truth. Truth exposes error. Light shows what's in the darkness. I've got to have this. So I've got to not just get rid of them and identify the lies. I've got to replace the lies with the truth. Uh, but uh, what's more than that? I have to put them into practice. It's not enough just to know these things. I've got to do them. They won't become a part of me and it won't become more automatic for me to do what's right and my mind to be renewed until I start to do it. You may have heard this. Practice makes, or does it? Practice makes perfect. What if you're practicing it the wrong way? Huh? <laughs> Maybe it's been... More accurate to say it this way. Practice makes permanent. That's what it does. And the thing about it is, until we put something right that into practice, it's just good intentions. For something to become your practice, it means you must follow the right pattern. For something to become your practice, it has to happen this way. You must follow the right pattern. If you're doing it wrong, it's just going to stay that way. You know, 
Some of you have been brushing your teeth wrong for years. I don't know why I'm hung up on that. Don't know why. But you know how that you, you just can, some things, as we put it into practice, it can become more automatic. It becomes more, and, and that's how God's beginning to rewire us. Even though you're saved, even though you're redeemed, you've got to take the word of God. You've got to apply the word of God. You've got to put it into practice. You've got to repeat it, repeat it. You've got to take the lies and identify them. You've got to push them out with the truth of God, and you've got to put it into practice. And over time, you're going to develop, even in your gray matter, some new neural pathways. So listen to me. When he says that he wants to transform us by the renewing of our mind, he's talking about our mind, who we are on the inside, our soul, our heart, but he's also talking about our brain. If they were to do contrast with an MRI and look at all these connectors and all these details of our brain, they could actually see a change in your physical brain as your life has changed. Because there were some bad connections that were strong that have become weak. And then there's some connections you didn't have that have become strong. God literally does rewire your brain. He renews your mind and he rewires the way your brain works. And I want to tell you, I have to constantly stay on this. He's not done with me yet. Daryl, you're 95. Is he done with you yet? He said, no, he's not done with him yet. So I think the rest of us are safe to say that we need to be on this every day. This isn't a Sunday sermon, it's an everyday thing. They said it takes 21 days to break or make a new habit. Well, if that's true for you, new studies say you're rare. That's based on old research. It's been repeated so much though, guess what happens? How do you, how do you, how's the best way to get people to believe a lie? Keep repeating it. That's why the best way to get the truth in us is to keep repeating it. But they say now that it takes more like two or three months. You ever wonder why in the Bible 40 days is such a reoccurring thing? So you're talking about, you know, more than just 21. You're talking about twice that or three times that. That's what they're saying now that they did. The truth is it's different for every person. But if you stay in the right groove long enough, it will get easier and it will become more automatic. And the old tendencies can actually get Weaker. They may not totally go away, but they'll get weaker. So you've got to come to the truth of God's word. It is the only solid rock that you can build your life on. we got people in our society believing all kinds of things. People in our society, I mean, you go back 10 years, things have changed so much. I mean, we don't even know what bathroom to go in now. And, and all these kinds of things. You know how mixed up. The thing about it is, is God's a creator, he's a designer, and he knows how things work. Now, not everybody's grown up knowing that and seeing that, right? But I want to know the truth of God and I want to know how things work. And the thing about it is, is, is with all the, you know, and, and, and everything's caving in on itself now. You know, we've got all of our woke culture out there and they're pointing their finger. But, you know, the thing about it is, is, is they begin to devour themselves. And you see that's happening. I want to build my life on the solid rock that never changes. See, because truth is not relative, it's objective, or it's not truth. See, our society today would want to say, well, what's true for you may not be true for me, and my truth may be, is it true? It's true if it's false, it's false. Just like in mathematics, you know, either two plus two is four or is not. God's truth is objective. It's transcendent from what you and I think about it. It never changes. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what I do. God's truth is the same. That's why you can build your life on it. That's why it's a solid rock. I need to know the truth, but I'm telling you, knowing the truth is not enough. What did Jesus say? Do you remember the story where he talked about the wise man and the foolish man? I want to be the wise person, don't you? But he said the wise person built their house on what? 
The rock. That rock represents the truth of his word. Let's read what Jesus said. He said this when he was telling that story in verse 24 of Matthew 7. Everyone then who hears these words of mine, hear the truth, and what? Does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So the foolish man who built his house on the sand may have heard it, but the difference is did not do them. There must be a practice. This has got to be put into practice in my life because the thing about it is this is why behavior modification doesn't work very long because your thinking controls your behavior. You got to control my, I got to change my mind. I got to change, God's got to change my thinking before it changes my behavior. We end up treating symptoms and we never get to the root. Most common lies, common way lies become accepted, as I already mentioned, is repetition. We just keep hearing them over and over again. It's been proven that lies are repeated and we see that in our society. They just keep repeating things that they want and replies and all of a sudden people are buying into it, right? Get desensitized. Keep repeating lies. I could give you a bunch of examples, but I'll tell you one. And I've seen the truth. And I'm, Rocky, not going to be deceived anymore by this. I don't care what kind of special they have. I don't care how good of buffalo sauce they have. Boneless wings are not wings. They're nuggets. All you're doing is buying chicken nuggets with sauce on it. They're not wings. But they say it so much, you and I think, oh, I want some wings. I'll have boneless ones. No, you're not. You're having nuggets. Goodness. And another thing is, is wings. While we're on that topic, maybe there's some more truth needs to be shed on this. Is that, you know, you go in and in one of these places have 75 cent wing. That's not a great deal. I found out. And then 12 piece wings. I get my 12 piece. I count them. I say, excuse me. There is like six wings here. No, there's not. There's 12. Counted them for me. I said, no, there's not. Do you not know? Have you ever never cut up a chicken? Because a wing consists of a drummy and the flat part. That's one wing. They hinge together. I said, oh, correction. It's 12 pieces. I'm like, thank you. But it's still, I can eat. I can eat a wing in like one bite. Put the whole thing in your mouth and bite down and pull the meat off. That's a 75 cent bite. Okay, next time I'm ordering a steak. <laughs> Sorry, that just had to come out. I feel better now. But see, that's the thing is, is we get told lies long enough, we just like believe it, you know? Uh, and, 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 and so Satan is, is this way. That's what he wants to do. He just keeps repeating it. We keep hearing it. We're not getting God's truth. We're hearing that. We're buying into it. It's been said that Satan is more repetitive than he is creative. I tend to agree with that. The big problem is even though you believe it, it's still not true. All the lies coming from our society. God's word is truth. And so tested and proven. That's practice. Let's go back to our text. He says, do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Did you notice this part? In some translations it says that you may be able to prove. That's what testing means. Proving. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God. That testing, that testing means to prove or to practice, to put into practice. You haven't learned something until you've put it into practice. Testing and discerning what is, then you're going to know what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect because you've put it into practice. 
The lie at the root of our problem has to be exposed by God's truth. Then it has to be removed as we surrender our will and God replaces it with his truth. What happens affects even my brain, as I said. We reverse the effect of the lies being repeated by the truth being repeated. And we reinforce that and make new neural pathways even in our brain by putting it into practice and applying it over and over. It takes time. It happens over time. Um, now, here's the thing. Too often we drop out too soon. I see this with people coming through different struggles and different things. Is we go up, you know, you may be saved even already or you may not be. But you pray about it. We pray about it. You have a breakthrough moment. I want to tell you a breakthrough is different than a renew. Breakthrough is the beginning, first step. And we pray. Then that starts a new journey of letting God's truth replace the lies and putting into practice his truth and the process of rewiring our minds and our tendencies and everything else. And here's what I see a lot of times. People start that, but they, really, they just want a quick fix like we tend to do. And then they quit. They give up way too soon. It's like whether it's an addiction or whether it's an attitude or whether it's what. It's like we know it, we identify it, and we pray about it. But instead of staying in the word and staying in the practice of God's word and staying in fellowship with God's people and staying accountable is, is that we go a little while, it gets tough, and then we slip right back into the rut. It's natural. It's easy for us. And I tell you, some people give up just this much too soon before things really take hold. They've had a breakthrough and they make some progress, but they give up. We give up this too much. I see it all the time. And people, as they, they're, they're involved in, in, in church and then all of a sudden they just isolate themselves and they're gone. And they, they give up too soon when something amazing was about to happen. He talks in our study about ruts that we get in, but it talks about trenches of truth. While you automatically just get into ruts, you've got to be intentional about digging a trench of truth. You've got to be very intentional. You've got to be, be very active in it of staying in God's word and digging a new groove that you're going to get in and that you're going to walk in. When it comes to the truth, we read God's truth, we think on it, we understand it, we meditate on it. To meditate means to think it again. You know, I always think of meditate as ruminate. Like a cow growing up on a farm. Cows have four stomachs. We've talked about this before. You got to think about this. As they eat the grass, it goes into the first stomach. It begins to ferment there. And then they regurgitate it. You know, and they, I know that I didn't need to do sound effects, but you should have seen that look from my wife. Anyway, it's like, oh, you're kidding me. But, but that's, you know, you can hear the cow. They're, they're, they're chewing their cud, we say. But um, it's, they, they chew it again, and then it breaks it down even more so it can digest. Uh, uh, but uh, that's what it is. We take in the truth of God all day long. I want to keep chewing on it and filling my heart and my mind and my life and put it into practice. You know, it's said that Eastern meditation, they talk about all this meditation and stuff. It's about emptying yourself out. Biblical meditation is about filling yourself up. You want to know the difference? That's it. I'm being filled with God's truth and God's power and God's presence. People that are just emptying themselves out, the devil says, oh, I found me an empty house, boy, I'm going in. You want to be filled with God's truth. And that's what he wants to do is he remakes us and rewires us. So what are you putting into your mind? What are you focusing on? Uh, biblical meditation has to be filling your mind and your heart and your life. So what are you putting in your mind all week? Remember the law of exposures. 
And remember this verse that we did in the very first message we preached on this. In Romans 8, 5, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But he wants to rewire and transform so that those who live according to the Spirit, following the Holy Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And this is what I've got to continually do or I'll just get right back in my rut. Set my mind on the things of the Spirit and be transformed. My life and how I act out here is transformed by what's happening in here with God's truth and God's Spirit, God's power. And He remakes me. And there are some things that used to be such a struggle that guess what? I've seen God instantly and miraculously deliver people from stuff, yes. But most of the time we don't learn as much that way as when we go through this growing process of Him renewing our mind. And it changes our behavior. It changes our attitude. It changes our emotions. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. It's powerful. It's powerful. Would you bow your heads with me?